When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get ready for the Christmas period with a free case of craft beer from Beer 52. And right now, listeners can get two extra free beers, making it 10 free beers. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash the Spurs and just cover the $5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine, Ferment, and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash the Spurs to get your case of 10 beers for $5.95. Just, that's just the postage. That's beer52.com forward slash the Spurs. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another Spurs show. This is Theo Delaney speaking to you from North London, where the nights are drawing in. I've got two extremely prestigious guests with me today to discuss the current state of affairs at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. First returning, uh, one of our longest standing guests and a legend at White Hart Lane, the original voice of White Hart Lane, Mr. Willie Morgan. Hello, Willie. Hello there. Thank you for the... uh... Wonderful introduction. Yeah, well, I mean, I may have been the original voice, though there was a bloke before me, but uh, <laughs> even Courtney's not there anymore. I know, I know. Who, When you say there was a bloke before you, who was that? Do you remember? Well, I don't, never met him, but I think he's a bloke who allegedly took the copy of McNamara's Bound with him because they've never been able to <laughs> the copy of Well, and we need what, to find him. We need that back. No, well, that's why I introduced a new song, which has subsequently been used ever since, Glory, Glory, Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, right. Well, well done. That's one of your many claims to fame here in the history of Tottenham Hotspur. Also joining us, a man right at the very centre of the media milieu around Tottenham Hotspur, Mr Chris Cowlin. Hello, Chris. Hello, Theo. Hope you're well. Thanks uh, so much for inviting me back on. Pleasure to be on and uh, to n- nice to meet Willie as well. Um, I'm very well, but um, of course... You know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but Tottenham, yet another defeat in a London derby. Not good, is it? No. Well, we are absolutely right. We are going to get into it. There's a lot of discontent around at the club. We might as well start with that. We'll also talk about the Vitesse Arnhem game, but you can't help thinking that the the headline game of the two we've played since we last did a show is that uh, performance at the London Stadium. We lost 1-0 to a second-half goal. Chris, what did you make of it overall? 
we're lacking creativity. We're lacking uh, so many things at the moment. And, you know, I go to every single game, home and away. And, you know, the, the displays against uh, the London clubs this season, four London derbies, four defeats, is simply not good enough. Conceding 10 goals, only scoring once. You kind of thought that the players would be up for this one. Um, all players were rested. Uh, you know, none of them uh, started or featured in the Vitesse Arnhem game on the previous Thursday. And you thought that we were going to be up for this game. You know, West Ham are always up for it. And it's a pity Spurs weren't because I thought it was a very dismal uh, performance. I thought that uh, the service to the forward players, Harry Kane and co, uh, were very poor. Again, we're still lacking that creative uh, player to, you know, to give us that spark. I thought defensively we were okay, um, but you've got to create chances. And when you think even last season under Jose Mourinho, as much as everyone hated his defensive style, you know, Harry Kane and Hulmin Son had their best season ever at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And at the moment, they look a shadow of what they were last year. Um, I can't see where the goals are coming from. You know, when Harry Kane and Hulmin Son are not firing on all, all cylinders, where are the goals coming from? And it really surprised me and upset me, actually, that Nuno come out and said that we weren't lacking creativity because I think everybody can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the f- the funny thing is, if you look at the... Um... You look at the stats, what you've got is um, you've got Spurs 62% possession, but but very few shots, especially in the second half. What, what that 62% possession was, which was really frustrating for me, is the amount of times we passed it sideways along our back four and no player seemed to want to take the ball forward and no player seemed to uh, know what to do next. And that's the yeah. really frustrating and very sad thing. And when you think all summer... We have searched around for a manager. Not that I'm putting this all on Nuno, but you know the displays in these London derbies. How can you defend the way that we're playing, especially in those four games? Yeah. And how can the players not be up for London derbies? You know these these are the these are the games that all the fans look forward to. These are the games that all of the players should look forward to, and you should be seeing so much passion in these London derbies. And it's just a shame that we haven't seen it in any one of the four. Willie, we played nine games. We're sitting sixth place. We're above Manchester United. We're above Arsenal. We're only two points off the top four. But we played nine games. We've won five. We've lost four London derbies. What on earth? This is a bizarre curate's egg of a season so far, isn't it, Willie? It, it, really, it really is. I mean, I, I watched a game carefully the other day. In fact, I, for my sins, I watched it back again because I knew I was going to be doing this today. And I just wanted to be fully conversant with what was going on. And the the problem I, I saw was that, uh, yeah, people like Skip and Hoiberg were passing it sideways to each other, just making little triangles, because there wasn't anyone putting themselves into a position that they could pass the ball onto. Uh, Harry did run into good positions a couple of times, but the, the, the who was passing the ball didn't choose to, to play him in. Uh, it was exasperated. The one thing I did come out with is, to see out of this, and I noticed a lot I, for my sins. I look at a lot of the posts on the, uh, the Spurs Show fans website, uh, not posts, but the Facebook site, and one or two others as well. And uh, contrary to a lot of them, I, I think Eric Dyer played a major role, and I think he's very important to the current back four because he he speaks Spanish and he speaks Portuguese, and he was really helping and barking orders in their own language to the guys who were around him in the back four. But uh, as for the midfield. I think Hoiberg and Skip are kind of the answer, but they, there's only so much you can do. Tengi and Dumbly wasn't the player that we played in the previous game. The, the, uh, 
the, the, the league game we saw just before that. Newcastle, yeah. That's the yeah, Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. It's a strange thing because you look at the lineup and you look at the shape and you think, actually, this makes a lot of sense. I agree with, as you both said, the, the defence actually looked pretty good. I mean, they, they, they looked like a unit and each individual had an okay game. Uh, you look at the back of the midfield and you think most that back of that midfield get into most uh, teams in the Premier League, that's for sure, outside of the real elite teams, because Hoybier, who was in the team of the tournament at Euro 2020, is a is a good dynamic central midfielder. Skip looks like a, a really seriously good player in the making, you know, in that position. Then you look at the front three. Most teams would would love that front three. You know, Son and Kane are getting to almost any team. Lucas Moura's enjoyed some reasonable form. And then you look at Ndombele, who's a 50-something million pound player who is full of tricks. And as you say, Willie played well in the previous game. So you look at the lineup, you can't really, you don't, you don't see any obvious deficiencies there. And then you look at them play, you see they've had 62% possession. So you wonder why is, why are they not making chances? Why are they not trying more inside? Is it because they've been told to be cautious and hang on to possession? Sometimes I look at them and I think they're taking the easier Part, the pass that guarantees they, they retain possession. There's a certain, you, you can understand that to a certain extent, but it smacks a little bit of Mourinho football or AVB football. Modern successful teams, the really, really successful teams like Liverpool and Manchester City, for example, they take risks. They get into the final and they try to make them. And you just think, what, what is it? Is it the coaching? Or is it just that Ndombele is not really a number 10? He's more like a... Are uh, just a box of tricks, Maverick. Which, which, are the, which, what, what, what do we put it down to? Well, it's the same old story that we don't have somebody who can unpick a lock, which is what Ericsson used to do. Uh, and Domble isn't an Ericsson. And Domble is a good player in his own right, but we, we Spurs desperately need someone who's going to unpick that lock and feed the ball through to Kane and, and Son, uh, who's not there at the moment. And I don't think Bergwijn is, and I don't think anyone in the squad is that kind of player. That's what that is the major deficiency, in my opinion. Chris, we had Paul Hawksby on a couple of weeks ago who'd watched uh, some of that Copper America stuff and said that Lo Celso looks like a completely different player when he's playing for Argentina, and he looks exactly what we're talking about. He looks like a number 10 who does pick the lock, plays alongside world-class players. One of his teammates there is the best player who's ever played the game by many people's estimation, and yet he can't get in our team. And, you know, to be fair, when he does get in our team, he doesn't look like a... Uh, a potent number 10. What, what, what do you make of that conundrum? <laughs> very, very frustrating, Theo. It really is. You know, the amount of times that, you know, you watch clips of La Celso and Co for their respective countries, you know, they put a shift in, man of the matches, fantastic, you know, scoring goals, creating assists and so on. You put them in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt and they don't seem to take their chance. You know, it frustrated me on Thursday because, of course, against Vitesse Arnhem, you give 11 players, you know, starting... Uh, you know, put them in the starting 11 and you've got to take your opportunity to get any Premier League football, you know, going forward. And I think that this is the problem at the moment. The starting 11 that played against West Ham, I don't think they've got any worries at all because Nuno's not trusting the other 11 who played against Vitesse Arnhem. So it's a big worry. And, and you can see that with the lack of substitutions that we're making as well. Um, but Tongi on Dombele, for me, I think is a big issue. You know, big price tag. He's had his issues under a number of managers at Spurs. And, you know, he seems to produce that bit of magic where we all then get excited thinking, yes, Tongyun Dombele, you know, this is the player that we signed. This, this is what we want to see from him. And then 20 minutes in a game, he'll just go missing. 
and then it'll, it'll produce that little bit of magic again and then another 25 minutes will go by where you don't even see him touch the ball and this this is the problem this is what's so frustrating with some of these players um but if if Nuno is setting us up in a in a in a way where we are not creating a chance in 45 minutes of football like that second half against West Ham um but you know, I know, I understand we lose football matches. You know, some games you win, some games you lose. But you want to see every single player putting a shift in. But the way that we have lost the four London derbies, um, you just cannot defend it at the moment. I must admit, when we got to the end of that game, I thought, well, that was an even game. Not a great one for the old uh, neutrals. But two teams, two decent sides, well-matched. And one team scored a goal from a set piece. It could have been us, I thought. And then I heard the stat. I hadn't realised that we hadn't put a shot in in the second half. And then you think, oh, actually, no, you don't win games. You've got. It's not the case that either team could have won because you can't win a game if you don't put a shot in. That's impossible to do. And I, I think, as I say, you look at the setup, you look at the shape, you look at the personnel, by and large, it makes sense. They're good players. I just wonder... When you look at the game before, as you say, totally different eleven. So in a way, you, you know, you're judging two different teams, but they had something in common, those two performances. And that was, you felt like they weren't quite up enough, the players in both those games. I mean, certainly in the in the European game, I mean, they came out the tunnel, Tottenham, and the commentators started saying, oh, this game's been sold out for, for weeks here. They're really up for this. They're playing Tottenham Hotspur from the Premier League. And I thought, as he's saying that, the team's coming out of the tunnel. And I thought, we're, we're going to lose this. We're going to lose because the other team is massively pumped up. And this lot, uh, half of them are sulking. Half of them have just got no confidence whatsoever. Plus, they don't play together regularly. They're not a unit as such. And sure enough, we lost. But the one thing, as I say... That, 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 show, that show clearly it's clearly showed that they don't play together because yeah. there was nothing going on in that game. No cohesion, yeah. Mm. And the thing is, but the thing that the two performances, as I say, I felt had in common was that they weren't quite pumped up enough. Again, you talk about the really good sides, you talk about City and Liverpool, you talk about Pochettino's Tottenham. Those teams never really, it's very, very rare. Well, I won't say never, but it's very rare for those teams to come out and put in a performance where you think something's missing there in terms of their motivation and their, you know, joie de vivre and their esprit de corps. You know, I've gone a bit, I've gone a bit French there, but sometimes you've got to go French to really fully, fully state what we're, what we're missing. And I think we're missing joy and we're missing a sense of unity and, and all of that stuff that Pochettino gave us and that the great managers give to je teams. Quoi. <laughs> <laughs> a certain je ne sais quoi, exactly, Willie. A certain je ne sais quoi. And uh, so you then think, well, is, is this manager ever going to be able to provide it? I mean, it's crazy. You know, he's he's only nine games into his tenure in terms of league games. But lots of people, you know, are thinking, oh, you know, this ain't going to work. This is a bad fit. I mean, not not just disgruntled Tottenham fans. God knows there are thousands of them. They're not hard to find on social media. But actually, you know, sober-minded journalists are already predicting his demise. They just can't see it working. Do, what do, Chris, do, could you see him going before before the end of the season? You know, Theo, I, I, I really want it to work out for Nuno. Um, but the way that we have lost these London derbies and... Um, I don't think a lot of people have confidence in him whatsoever. And uh, I just can't believe we're at this stage again where we're all so unhappy because 
Nuno Espirito Santo and the Tottenham players, it should still be the honeymoon period. You know, he, he was only appointed in the summer. Everyone should still be on a high. You know, he got the Manager of the Month award in August, you know, three wins out of three. Although, you know, those performances weren't convincing, we still got nine points out of nine. Um, but ever since then, um, I don't know. I, I just don't think that people have confidence in him. And I think the players, some of the players, are feeling like that as well. And um, it frustrates me on some of the things that he has said after matches because it's like he's watching a different game to a lot of the fans. And I, I feel like we've been here time and time again. You know, all of us are now questioning the direction of the club again. We're all asking who the leaders are again. And we're all wondering, you know, whether there's going to be any positives this season. Um, but will Nuno see the season out? Um, I think that this week is a huge week for us. Burnley in the Carabao Cup, I think that is an absolute must win. I think he's got to go very strong in that game to win it. Uh, Manchester United, of course, uh, that's going to be a very difficult game on Saturday. But after that, when you look at the fixtures, um, it's not really until the middle of December uh, where we're facing some of the top six. We, we, we play Leicester and Liverpool. So up until that point, if we can go on a good run, um, then Nuno will probably keep his job. But I tell you what, if these performances and the way that we are losing these games continue, I can't see him staying there. I wonder if there's anyone at the club who can G up the Spurs players in the way that they need to be. In other words, an ex-player, maybe a Ryan Mason or a, not so much a Ledley King, because I don't think he's that vociferous in his in his pushing. But I think it, it needs something more than just uh, the the the. the, the uh, coaches staff that he has there. Can, can, can I also just add on that, Willie, as well, that the fact that do any of you feel, you know, I've asked a lot of Tottenham fans this, do you do you feel that we have progressed um, since Ryan Mason stepped down and since Jose Mourinho was sacked? Have we progressed at all? I don't think we have at all. No, no, I, I was I was keen on Mason. I wasn't didn't think he'd be a, foot, uh, a long-term uh, prospect, but uh, I mean, having met the guy, I know the guy, I, I'd really like to... Uh, See him involved still. Uh, it's it's a it's a great shame. But I, I mean, I, I always thought that uh, Nuno was given the two year contract in the same way that Pochettino still had two years to run at PSG. I thought that there was more than a coincidence in that, but I might be wrong on that. Maybe just wishful thinking. Yeah, possibly. Let's take a break and uh, try and collect ourselves in a moment. Okay, so before we carry on, I am, of course, duty-bound to do a bit of housekeeping here. For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-players interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Spurs show live season ticket events this season are up and running. I'm pleased to say you can go to season.spursshow.net and sign up for this season. On Tuesday... Uh, November the second, we've got Terry Nutty Naylor, uh, and if you tweet, if you tweet or Facebook us or go on our Facebook page with the answer to which non-league team did Terry Naylor manage, you can win two free tickets to this event and see for yourself what all the fuss is about with these evenings. So that's next Tuesday, Terry Naylor live. I'm looking forward to that because we've had him on before, and he is an excellent guest. He really is very funny and and loads of uh, insight you get from Terry. On December the 6th, we've got one of our famous Christmas shows, and this promises to be potentially the most famous of the lot because 
We've got an incredible stellar lineup to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Tottenham Hotspur becoming the first British club to win two major European trophies. I speak, of course, of the 1972 UEFA Cup. Joining us on December the 6th at the 100 Club are Alan Mullery, Martin Chivers, Pat Jennings, John Pratt, Phil Beale, and the skipper himself, Steve Perriman. And we're going to be showing, by the way, that night, never before seen second leg footage from the semi-final against AC Milan, which the players haven't even seen before. So we'll be we'll be able to look at that and discuss it. And we'll be discussing that whole campaign and that whole team, that early 70s team, first team I loved when I was a little boy. There's music, a raffle, great Spurs books for you to buy and get signed. And there are all sorts of different ticket packages available, various levels of VIP access, including the absolute golden ticket, which is where we all go. I say all, those guys and uh, me and Mike and those with the golden tickets, which are available, go and have dinner afterwards in a Soho, a private Soho dining room. So I am massively excited about that. Go to xmas.spursshow.net and find out about all the different types of tickets you can get. They're going fast. Follow us also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please leave us a nice review on iTunes if you feel so inclined. Next week, myself and Mike and Terry Naylor are on the live show, and Martin Cloak's joining us as well. Well, gentlemen, uh, a lot of doom and gloom. What do you think Nuno should do about this Burnley away game in terms of selection? Do you think he should go in with the first team or do you think it'll be a hybrid or do you think he'll go with the European team, Willie? I think it'll be a hybrid um, because neither have shown winning ways lately. So maybe a mix and match will be the answer. Uh, I know Burnley are not having a great time at the moment and I think um, uh, they might not feel their entire full-strength team because they've got enough problems in the league at the moment. But I'd, I'd like to see some, some of the, uh, the, the, say, the shadow squad, as they were called the other day, uh, mixing matching, mix and matching with the, the current first team. Uh, I don't know, I just, I just want the team that's going to win and get us through. This might be the only chance we get of any pot this year. Well, that's what we say every year. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying it again. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what do you think, A, what do you think he will do and B, what do you think he should do in terms of that selection? Uh, well, I'll start with what he should do. Um, I think he should take a number of first-team players to get the job done. Mm. Uh, when you think back in previous seasons under Pochettino and Jose Mourinho in any of these games, they always took uh, you know, some some first-team players and had them on the bench. So if things were going wrong and we needed to, to get that goal, we could bring on those players. So he, he, I, I think that this is very, very important. You know, as I said earlier, this is a very important week for him personally and the football club um, because once Spurs start going out of cup competitions, I think that's when the fans are, are, are going to get very upset because we all know we're not going to win the Premier League. So, you know, any chance of any success would be a trophy like this. Um, so I think we've got to go strong with it. Um, I think Nuno will do that as well. And uh, a, key factor, a key factor is the fact that uh, you're allowed five, to bring on five subs in the EFL. That's cards. right. Yeah, yeah. So that could have, that could just back up your theory there. Yeah, I mean, he said he's taking a strong squad, doesn't he? I guess it just uh, so the so the only the only uh, question mark then will be who he starts. I mean, I personally, yeah, I, I agree. I think we've got to go all out to win this game. I think there's an opportunity, as you said, Willie, they've struggled. Burnley haven't even won a game yet in the league, although their performances haven't been that bad in that Burnley-esque kind of a way. I'm sure they're due a league win sooner or later, but it may, he may well decide, old uh, Dyche, that this is not 
something they should be prioritising in the circumstances. They don't want to get right sucked into that relegation zone. They're already third bottom. And that means it's an opportunity, but it's still a cold Wednesday night in Burnley. And you're not going to, you're not, if you put out that team that played at Vitesse Arnhem with that level of motivation and cohesion, you'd probably lose to Burnley reserves which is probably the, the probably standard of Vitesse Arnhem, actually. So I would have, personally, I agree. I think we've got to put pretty much a proper full-strength team out. Also, I think we should stop mollycoddling them anyway. Why do they don't deserve a, they don't deserve a night off? It's early in the season. They ought to be able to play a couple of games a week every now and then. I mean, it's not, it's not a new thing playing two games in a week, is it, for goodness sake? We've had professional footballers doing that for decades. There's a Wednesday, it's Wednesday and Saturday, which is... Uh, not as good as having a Tuesday and Sunday. So I take your point. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I think Wednesday and Saturday isn't by no means unprecedented, is it? And also we've got an evening kickoff on Saturday, which incidentally, listeners, we'll be discussing in a subsequent preview show, which you can get later in the week, the Manchester United game. I'm all for playing a, a, a more or less full strength team. Which, which goalie would you play out of interest? I'd I'd play Larice. Mm. I don't I don't want to I mean I like I like um what's his name? Galini. Galini, yeah. He looks good to me. He looks like a massive upgrade on Joe Hart, that's for sure. And he may even be the future. But right now, I don't think Nuno, for for Tottenham Hotspur, but also for himself, he should not be in the business of taking any unnecessary risks with this game. The way I read it, if Kane is going to be on the bench, which would make sense to do that, then, then the, the captain has to play rather than the, the standing captain unless Dyer or Davis are going to be captains. And I, Davis, I don't think, but Dyer, possibly. But anyway, I, I would go with Larice and go and, and skip her in the side. Yeah, me too. I, I'd play Kane, actually. I'd play Kane, personally. I'd play, the, I'd play the best team he can play. I mean, there are only, if you look at that 11, there aren't many, uh, I mean, this, could, this is a double-edged sword. As you said earlier, Willie, I think you said it, that um, the trouble with that first team is they don't feel under threat for their places. Because it looks like the best 11 players. But there are one or two positions where you think there might be alternatives, perhaps knocking lightly at the door. One is the Ndombele position, as I said earlier, Lo Celso, a proper good Lo Celso, the one that plays for Argentina, should surely be a candidate for that place. And the wide position, Lucas Moros, is playing okay. You know, he's doing what he does and he's decent. But there are a couple of people knocking on the door there. One is Bergwijn and the other is young Brian Hill, the un- unlikely named Brian Hill. But uh, So I might be tempted to possibly look at Lo Celso and one of Hill or Bergwijn instead of Ndombele and, uh, and, and Lucas just to see. And then you can have those guys on the bench. But the rest of them, there are no like-for-like alternatives that are anything like as good, I wouldn't have thought, in the deep-lying midfield positions to skip and Hoiberg. We're very light in that position in the squad, generally. I mean, you'd have to either play Lo Celso deep, which is a, an option, or you'd have to bring in Winks, who's become absolutely persona non grata. I mean, Winks, I, I used to love Winks like we all did, but I mean, he's just become an absolute shadow of his former self, hasn't he? He was Delhi, we haven't even Saturday. Yeah. He wasn't squid on Sunday. No, he say. was. He didn't even make the bench. You're right, and that really is a damning indictment. That's a big bench, nine people on it, and he couldn't. And I, I remember thinking that at the time, actually, Willie. It's a good point because you looked at that bench. You thought Winks isn't on the bench. Not only is Winks not on the bench, we've got all sorts of cover, like a, abundant cover for every position of the team on that bench, except deep lying midfield. And he still couldn't make the bench. That is a terrible indictment of him, isn't it? The thing is, though, Theo, uh, uh, with the Carabao Cup game, I think Nuno has got to go with the team 
that he's going to trust to get this job done. And, and the, the, 11, the 11 that he started against Vitesse Arnhem, you know, arguably none of them took their opportunities that night. Yeah. And, and we've seen it in the Europa Conference League, you know, the amount of times that, where they're not taking their opportunities. Same, same happened under Jose as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Jose, when we went out that night, I, I, what the hell's going on? You just wonder what these players, there's something wrong with the psychology at the club ever since, ever since, I mean, it, this all goes back to when it went wrong for Poch, where, where we went those two windows without buying any players and Poch started to look demotivated. And he said to Gary Lineker famously, yeah, we've got the best house, but you've got to put some nice furniture in it as well. That's when it went wrong psychologically. Poch dictated, like all organisations, the, the mood and the ethos of an organisation is dictated by the man at the top, top. Poch was so full of energy and positivity and goodwill and humanity, and we had all those qualities. When Poch felt like he'd been disrespected and let down, that radiated, permeated the group, and it's been permeating it ever since. wasn't helped by the poison gas that was the presence of Jose Mourinho, and now Nuno's left with it, and Nuno's got loads of qualities, but does he, one of the things he isn't is a massive you know, cheerleader. He's not going to come in and, and make everyone happy by start, you know, cuddling people and making jokes and, and giving them ketchup. It's just not his style. He's got to be, though. He's got to try and motivate these players. Yeah, and, and the frustrating thing for me is when you see him in press conferences, is he a motivator? Because he doesn't seem to motivate me watching his press conference. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't motivate the press guys either. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, that, the problem. That's why, I referred earlier, that's why I referred earlier to to enlarging the coaching staff and perhaps bringing yeah. back uh, Brian Mason yeah. or something, yeah. something of that sort. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a bit depressing, uh, lads. I I feel we should draw this particular show to a close. As I said earlier, there will be a subsequent show this week which will where we'll look in more detail at the Manchester United game, the game they're calling El Sacchio. But for now, I just need you to to give me a prediction for Wednesday against Burnley. Willie looks appalled. He doesn't want to get involved. He wants no part of it. But as you know, Willie, it is compulsory. So I'm going to come to you second to give you a chance. Chris? I'm going to go 2-0 Spurs. Hopefully we go strong and hopefully we will go through uh, to the fifth round because, of course, if we win this game, it's only another two wins and we're in the final. So we've got to go strong. Completely agree with your with your prognosis. I don't know about your prediction. I'll try and do a different one, but we'll come to Willie. Uh, well, being on the positive side, I think we'll win on penalties. <laughs> OK. I'm going to say Spurs 2-1. Grim night. It's a shame it's not actually on the telly. We're going to have to scramble around and find a way of watching it. I'm going to say that in my rather vague way. Gentlemen, for now, I'd like to thank you both very much. And uh, we'll be back, as I say, later in the week with uh, Manchester United preview show. But for now, thanks for tuning in everywhere. This is Theo Delaney in London saying, Kevin, you Spurs! If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show... Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.